but I tried spin classes and I would just get so angry you did? all the time. <laughs> but did they have like did they have really good music in them? Yeah. It didn't huh. matter. I just got so angry. <laughs> the <laughs> the music would piss me off, the lighting would piss me off, the instructors would piss me off. And do we want to talk about the stand? I mean, that could be quick. It's up to Dustin, because I don't know anything about it. How many episodes uh, have you seen, Dustin? I watched all three. You have? Okay. Uh, I haven't read the book, so that's why I don't hate it. I Did think. it get... <laughs> oh, okay. It's mm-hmm. fine. I don't... Yeah. I, but I don't have the book to compare it against. Yeah. It's very losty. It's like a, a lost show set in the apocalypse. And people are gross when they get that disease. Captain Trips. I, yeah, I need to, I need to, I meant to watch the other two episodes today so we could talk about it and then I just lost track of time. The first They're episode long. I liked enough. I just, what I realized after I watched it, I was like, I'm not as compelled to like go back. I don't, I really don't like the format. It's really throwing me. I think, it, yeah, it, it just seems fairly, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. It's yeah. fine. If there were a lot of better TV on that right now, I wouldn't be watching it. But Right. Also, I think it's this kind of thing where it'll either pay off or it won't. And I don't... Like, the last couple... Like, the, to me, this show is going to kind of rely on the last couple of episodes. Oh, and will Flag then be more involved? Because I yeah. do like him, and he's not very much in it yet. No, yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll have to in the back half of the, of the sh- show anyway. Um, but it's kind of like all of this back and forth. It's like <laughs> some point you're going to have to wind up in some kind of present. <laughs> like, right. So, but it is, I mean, I like Morrison and then Kinnear has, has a decent character. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I haven't seen Kinnear yet. And oh, and Amber Heard is in it. What, what is that? Yeah. That's Nadine, yeah. right? She's Nadine Cross. Yes, she's like uh, in cahoots with Flag, right? Yeah. Her character is really sad. She Did you watch the original miniseries, the old one? No, no. This is my first... first... So in in the 90s one, her, that character is played by Laura San Giacomo. Oh, I remember her. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and she's great. So I was like, when I... And, like, and she's like one of the very vivid memories I have of that miniseries is like her being wonderful in that part so when I heard it was Amber Heard I was like oh that could actually be really interesting I I don't know she hasn't done that much yet the, in the third episode it sort of reveals that she's working with Flag. yeah how many episodes are there I want to say there's nine. Oh wow it is that covering like... the whole book or is that going to be like yeah. a first season my understanding is it's the whole book and it's including a new ending from Stephen King. Oh, okay. It might be like a coda, but um, I saw somebody. I think it might have been it might have been Ask Crack said something about how like if they were smart they would uh, basically create a Stephen King shared universe um, for CBS and use the end of the stand 
to to pivot um, Skarsgård as Randall Flagg into a diff into Eyes of the Dragon or like one of the other Stephen King books that he shows oh, up in. Yes, and I was like, well, that would be amazing. <laughs> see, I did love Eyes of the Dragon. Eyes of the I Dragon was really good. It was like my favorite Stephen King ever. Yeah. And they've they never that, tried to make that a movie or a series, and I never understood that. I don't I think anyone that. has ever tried. Although I do remember a passage about picking a nose that just just fucked me up for <laughs> months. Wait, did you say picking a nose? Yeah, yeah. There's a passage about some guy picking a booger, and and Stephen King just went in, like just just got into it. And it just grossed me out. So you got bad. you got all up in there. Yep. <laughs> Digging for gold. Yep. 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 Yeah. So is this is this? Uh, so I haven't seen the stand, but is it good, or is it like? I, I also barely remember the miniseries. Like I watched it, but I don't. Know. It was a long yeah, time ago. I, mean, I think it's the good. book people hate it. Okay. I think the people who are fans of the book hate it. And I like the book, um, and I agree with why a lot of people hate it, because they basically made the decision to, like, the book is incredibly linear, and it's, you know, you have all these characters in different parts of the country uh, kind of trying to survive in the in the immediate aftermath of this, you know, pandemic, <laughs> this, right. like, disease, um, and then they're each drawn to, you know like sort of the good people are drawn to Colorado um, with this mother Abigail character and the bad people are drawn to Las Vegas and Randall Flagg. And it's all about like, you know, it's not really clear cut good or bad or what these poles are, but it's basically like there are two destinations and groups of survivors kind of make their way there. And then they, there's a fight between them. Uh, and, but it's all linear. And, and part of it's that there's so many characters to deal with. And so you, you know, the first chunk of the book is really like bouncing around as all of these characters like individually come together in small groups and make and, and travel and journey and like, you know, and what the show has done is like, it's telling it all through flashbacks. So it starts out where you meet one of the characters already in Colorado and he's like, not the character that you kind of want to situate as the POV character character mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. he's important in the book but he's he's a shithead and he yes. and he comes he's in much well later in the book um, but then and so and then they start like flashing back to the beginning of the of the outbreak and introducing a couple of characters each episode and the problem with that is that like there's now there's no wait because you know how everything ends. Right. And I think in some ways they kind of are trusting that like most people already know the stand. So like it doesn't matter if it's spoiled. Right. But it also just removes any sense of urgency oh. from their journey. Hmm. So it's like I know where everyone is going. We know that there is going to be these communities like you're just biding time waiting. Like the show is now has now set up a structure where it's just filling in the gaps rather than any sense of real forward motion. Right. Right. So, uh, huh. that's an interesting problem. Cause I get it. Like that feels like a lot of shows where there's kind of the, uh, like you need to start with something big 
kind yeah. of philosophy. So you so you do that, and you're like, oh, we're gonna catch up to it, like like the like Breaking Bad, like right. The, um, yeah, you have this one really like amazing image, right? And it gets people hooked. Actually, Sweet Home did that, but it did it really quickly, and then you never go back to that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other problem with the stand is that like at least in the first episode, it kept flashing back and forth. So you kept like revisiting the sort of like five months in the future in Colorado. Uh-huh. Um, and it got really confusing. So I'm suddenly, because you, they wouldn't necessarily always put a signal on screen to like let you know that you're back in the future or back in the past. <laughs> like, oh, got it. So it was all over the place. And it's like if you, if you stuck with one like really amazing image to kind of like tantalize people and then rewound and stayed in the past, mm-hmm. maybe that would work. But, I, yeah, I don't know how the structure is going to pan out over the next few episodes. But, again, I, at some point, the past no. will catch up with the show's present. <laughs> and hopefully right. the flashbacks will stop. Right. Well, I mean, the, the, the next two episodes at least don't, like, focus on the shithead character. They move on and they do flashbacks with other characters. Right. But they, you still see those other characters in Colorado already, right? Yes, so yeah. they're dealing with that, and as well as we're learning their backstories. How they got there, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. It's fine. The other thing that's going to be interesting is Ezra Miller plays the trash can man. And I don't know... I don't know who the trash can man is, so that doesn't well, <laughs> mean much to me. Oh, that's right. So in the in the original miniseries, he was played by Matt Frewer. If that oh, okay, <laughs> that character. <laughs> yeah, like he's a basket case. And I'm like, Ezra Miller's either going to be like really annoying or nail it. <laughs> I can't quite tell. So, yeah, that is interesting, though, to think that when people originally read The Stand, they did not know that it was going to end in this apocalyptic, these apocalyptic communities. Right. Huh. But there's more to it than just apocalyptic communities, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that's the other problem is that, like, you know, they've set the expectation that that these characters will eventually reach the community, but that's only part of the story. Mm-hmm. Once they've sort of self-selected into these two areas, then it becomes um, Flag's group basically poses a threat to the Colorado group. And so the Colorado group preemptively decides to, like, send people to Las Vegas to try and infiltrate. Um, I assume it becomes supernatural, like Stephen King does at the end of all of his books. When he can't figure out what to do. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's this other element that comes into play that has kind of nothing to do with any of the main characters. Yeah. That's and Stephen that would be King. Trash Can Man. It always pisses me off, but well, whatever. Yeah, The I mean, Outsider it's... was such a good book for 150 pages. It was like the, one of the best books I ever read. And then he brings in the supernatural shit. I was like, oh, well, all right, sure. Well, it's like the show, too. I mean, it yeah. was it, like the the police procedural part of it was really yes, compelling so and interesting. Right. And then like, but like anytime it turned to like the mystical monster stuff, it's like, oh, okay. This is like an X Files episode, and not like an X Files episode I would come back to. Over right. The only the only thing that redeemed it to me, and I don't, 
I wasn't a fan of the supernatural, but I did like the fact that you have <clears throat> Cynthia Erivo's character as like this person who's like almost autistically logical. Right. And having her be the one that's like, no, there is no other explanation other than this supernatural thing. Right. And it, like that I thought was an was a really neat angle. Mm-hmm. It's too bad that <laughs> the rest <laughs> of the end was trash. But I really liked having this character that's like, you know, she's not a basket case. It's like, you know, if she's the one saying it has to be this, and then it's just everyone else having to catch up to her logic. Right. Um, but having like a it be having the supernatural be the rational answer. Right, because like there there's no other explanation that like that explanation ends up making more sense than than anything, anything else. else. Yeah. Like it was a really interesting concept, but it just was really hard to play through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, all of, yeah, all of King's stuff is like that. I mean, it, like, The Stand is a really great idea, except that, like, why are people having dreams of these, like, like, two, like, a good or a bad person? <laughs> like, <laughs> why are they being summoned to, like, Colorado or Las Vegas? Like, that fucking makes no sense. Right. He creates very good characters and tells very good stories. He just doesn't know how to end them. Just time and time again. Yeah. Endings are hard, you know. Also, beginnings are hard, but that was the beginning of the show, so we're just going to... I'm just going to go into the intro and, like, let... I'm not going to edit. That's just going to be... We're just going to... The stand is the opening of the show, (laughs) which you've already heard. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to 2021, and (laughs) welcome to Podjiva. Bajiva Television Podcast, which you've already been listening to for like 10 minutes or however long that was. Uh, I am Pajiva Comedy Editor Dan Hamamura. With me, as always, are Pajiva TV Editor Tori Preston. Hello. Happy Hello, New Year, Dan. Tori. Happy New Year, Tori. And Captain Trippy, Dustin Rolls. <laughs> Hello. Uh, how, how's everybody doing? It's 2021, so everything's good now, right? We're all... Everything's well, fine. everything's solved. Everything everything's fixed itself. Fixed. The dead are coming back to life. Mm-hmm. Beans are happening. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a weird couple days. It has been a weird couple days. Um, uh, what's uh, we just keep, we keep thinking that you know just get through this next part and then everything goes back to normal, and it just it just doesn't happen. Right. No. But you know, someday <laughs> maybe or maybe, you know, I, maybe. maybe not. Maybe this is just how it is now. I want to know if it's gotten this weird already. Like, what does the next, like, 16 days have in store for us? I would be, if, like, 2021 were, like, the weird year, that'd be great. I'd be Mm -hmm. okay with the weird year. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, like, the bleak, desolate, horrifying year. Right. Yeah. Um, I have a a weird TV thing that just happened to me. Ooh. Um, It's it's very dumb, but uh, I was... I there there's an episode. Did you guys ever watch The Outer Limits? Yes. Okay. So there there's an episode of The Outer Limits from like the 90s that for some reason st- has stuck in my head and like every once like every 6 months or so it'll pop in my head. I'm like, "Oh, what happened to that episode? I should watch that. I should see if I can find that episode." And it's this episode where like there are uh there are a bunch of people in like bunkers and they all have to it's kind of like they're all in like their own hatch from Lost and they have to like push a button to keep, like, nuclear missiles from launching or whatever. Oh. Um, and the episode is kind of, you know, whatever, but, like, it's... But I, I think 
well, over the past year, the reason why it's probably popped in my head uh, recently is because, like, their only conversation is with each other, like, through, like, TV screens, right? Um, so it's, like, the past year. Uh, but um, anyway, the episode's fine, whatever. But uh, the thing, the weird thing about it was that I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, oh, I wonder what happened to, you know, the people who worked on that episode. And so I looked it up on IMDb, and then I looked at the director randomly, and I don't remember the name offhand. I'm not going to look at him now. But I was like, oh, what has this guy directed? Like, you know, what happened to him in his career? And then I looked, and it was like, uh, oh, he direct- he's, like, worked co- consistently for the past, you know, 25 years in TV. And, oh, look, he's directed episodes of The Expanse. And, oh, look, oh. he's directed the episode of The Expanse that I'm watching right now. <laughs> like, and I was watching The Expanse as this oh was happening. God. Like, what? <laughs> How did this happen? Sounds like an episode of The Outer Limits. Yeah. Um, this guy's anyway. just been following you. He, or I've been following him, apparently. Yeah, but. you gravitate toward his work. Yeah. I didn't know where that story was going, Dan, but that was a fine ending. <laughs> Better than Stephen King. Uh, well, thanks. You're um, really sticking it to King, aren't you? <laughs> Stand by Me ends properly. Stand by Me is amazing. He ends his novellas. Yeah. Right on, right on target. Um. Also, I really liked. Uh, I haven't read it. I've only seen it. But um, Hearts in Atlantis. That's him. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. the movie. I always liked. I mean. Considering it took forever, I'm. I think I'm one of the few people that actually like the end of the Dark Tower series, because <laughs> it was one of the times where like the cop out ending actually kind of works. Because <laughs> um, it, it like it's a reboot. Right. Like, he gets to the top of the tower and then like starts back at the beginning, and I know people were like furious by that, and I thought it was, but it's like the one thing that's changed is that he has this horn that he didn't have before. So it indicates that, like, the next cycle will be different and he'll, like, continue on this journey over and over again until he, like, does it right. Mm. And I love that. I'm trying to remember. Did, did Misery have a supernatural element? I don't even remember how that ended. No. No. It's just her, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just that yeah. she's, you know, has her issues. Yeah. Yeah. I think I love that one. I mean, I did Misery love that one. Misery was really but... good. There are always some that are, like, not... I mean, because, like, Gerald's game is not really... It's mostly, like, hallucinations, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember if the, like, if the supernatural stuff is outside of her head. Um, yeah, they're not all... <laughs> not all supernatural. <laughs> anyway. Well, anyway, Stephen King, you know, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, it's, sometimes it works. We're not He's doing a, fine. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think he's okay. He doesn't need he's our fine. validation. Um, uh, very quickly, what's everyone drinking um, before we get into get back into TV? Since again, we just I, I'm not editing that opening, so you have already heard us talk about the stand. 2021 uh, already off to a good start. You're not working. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, editing. Yeah, no no editing, or you know, as little as possible. That's that's my that's my goal. Look, Dustin got a new microphone, so everything's great now. It sounds That's great. Right. <laughs> his his audio is amazing. Um, you know. That's true. That is a big difference. Twenty twenty one, we're gonna sound that much better. We're I mean, gonna like sound audio yeah, quality. Yeah, like this is this is a serious podcast now. 
He just has to make sure not to take the microphone into the bathroom with him. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. (laughs) Well, the good news is that this this microphone is very heavy, uh, or weighty, as Dustin likes to say. So <laughs> it's uh, he. I don't think he can carry it with him to the bathroom. I didn't take the microphone to the bathroom with me before. I just didn't realize that my AirPods were acting as my microphone. So right. you took the microphone. I <laughs> just guess that you were wearing them. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, what are you drinking, uh, Dustin? I'm drinking uh, Petal Press, which is a uh, rosé, and eh, eh, you know it's fine. Did it come out? There's of a box? lot of, no, but there was a lot of uh, rosé jokes in Schitt's Creek, which I watched all six seasons of, over the break. Ooh. Congratulations! And Thank how you. was it? It was. Um, have you seen it, Anne? I forget. To, yeah. If you had, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it was, it was so good. Like the first two seasons were slow. Yeah, but but as soon as the the the, the boyfriend showed up, oh my God, just like. One of the best shows ever. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Just sweet and lovely, and I ended up watching the entire last sixth season in uh, one night. Well, you watched how much in one night? The entire sixth season. Oh, the sixth. I thought you said all six no. seasons. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a good week to watch, maybe maybe nine, ten days to watch it all. That's a very good use of your holiday. Yeah. I thought so, too. Uh, Tori, what are you drinking? Um, I'm doing a dry January, so I'm oh. drinking seltzer. Um, but it's mm. a fancy seltzer. It is mango limeade polar. It's delicious. Polar. Oh, yeah, those are good. Yeah. That sounds fancy. I got the, um, you know, my, my gas station wine shop. Um I, I've made friends with the owner, and they kept seeing me buy cases of this type of polar, and and they were like, oh, you know, I got to talk to the distributor. Like, I, I don't know if it's a summer flavor or what. Like, but you know, tell me what types you like, and I'll talk to them and see if I can start getting it delivered, because um, they were running out. And I was like, oh yeah, well these are the flavors of this particular type I like, and and the and now all of a sudden they have a cooler filled with cases of the seltzer and I feel really guilty so now I go <laughs> now every couple days yeah. <laughs> I go every couple days and buy another box because I just like and now it's like all I buy from them is just seltzer I stop in just to get seltzer from them <laughs> um, but they're very nice it's always good to be a regular somewhere yeah Beaudry's in the heart of Huntington <laughs> <laughs> where you have no choice but to be a regular <laughs> that's all I got <laughs> there's not another bar you can go to nope <laughs> Not for another half an hour. <laughs> I, I when I lived in Boston, I spent a lot of time in bars, and uh, when they started to know my drink, it's usually about the time that I changed bars because it just got weird. Why was it because you were embarrassed of your drink? No, no. <laughs> just like <laughs> what were you drinking? when people start to know you that well in, in a bar, I just didn't feel that it was appropriate. Just means that there that you're you know. You're a valued customer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I would, I, would, I think that's code for drunk. They were trying to show you that they care, Dustin. Yeah, that's just the service <laughs> industry is really away. hard, Dustin. There was uh, one that would give me every third drink for free. And the fact that there was a lot of third drinks is about all you need to know about that. 
Were they hitting on you? Oh, no. It's just like the perk of being a regular. God, that sounds like the dream. It does. I want somebody to just remember why you didn't go. And this particular uh, situation, actually, the bartender set me up with uh, with a friend of his, and um, uh, it didn't go well. And then I was embarrassed. Oh, and then that's why you stopped going. Well, in the at this, yeah, that was one of the reasons. Although. Uh, soon thereafter, I met my wife and then took her there so that when I went there, I could go with my wife and everybody would be like, Hey, Dustin, how's it going, man? Good to see you. Because I wanted to be like a big shot at the bar where everybody knew me. <laughs> did that work out for you? Did they it did. Remember? It did. It did. Yeah. Because <laughs> that would be the best part if you're like, Oh, yeah, like this is really going to impress her. And then you walk in and they, they've already forgotten you. <laughs> Although, I went with her once, and that was the last time I ever went. Oh. I wonder if they'd still give you every third drink for free. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Last drop on Newberry Street, folks. Check it out if you're in Boston. <laughs> if it's still there. Also, when bars are safe to go oh, to. Right, right, don't go now. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Dan? What are you drinking? Uh, I am just drinking more uh, Okinawan beer, uh, Orion beer, um, maybe because of uh, Cobra Kai, which we're going to talk about today, but also maybe because it's what was in my fridge. (laughs) Who's to say? Who's to say? Um, But before we get to that, um, oh, Dustin already talked about Shit's Creek, so I can cross that off. Uh, We have some other shows. uh, We're just, we're just. Catching up on shows we we, t- we saw over the holidays, and so that's why Dustin and Tori were talking about The Stand, which I have not seen, and uh, probably won't, but you know, that's okay. There's lots of TV for everyone. Uh, Tori also watched Bridgerton for us, for I all of you. did. So what possessed you, Tori? Because it doesn't seem like you're going to show. I love, I love romance. Well, no, no. I like romance novels. I'm not usually into like rom-coms and stuff. Well, that's weird, because I'm really into rom-coms, but not into romance. I love romance novels. But I also, and I think that's, I don't know why. I love the kind of formulaic nature of them, huh. and like the, the mistakes, and the, I don't know. There's always like misunderstandings, and it's always really frustrating, and um, and I don't know. And I think I've, I also enjoy seeing how they've gotten kind of more progressive over the years. Like there was a very, oh, train. Oh, oh yeah. train. Oh, yeah, the train sounds great with the Yeti. Yeah, the new microphone <laughs> makes the train sound real good. Yeah. Um, no, I think, like, over the years, because, like, you know, I would sneak my mom's romance novels when I was, like, a teenager, and, you know, they were all sort of very kind of escapist fantasy, like, um, they could be very, you know, not necessarily progressive in the events that take place in them, <laughs> because what was progressive was that they were kind of giving women an outlet and I think that what's interesting is seeing how romance has evolved and there's uh, actually like really you know some some you know more current romance novels have like really really positive um, sort of dynamics between the the romantic leads and you know differences in like you know 
gender equality with it. You know, I don't know. It's it's been interesting to see the genre evolve. Uh, but Bridgerton is based on a series of novels from the early two thousands, I think. So, okay. and I hadn't read them, so I wasn't familiar. But it's also um, historical romance, which I think tends to. Um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it for what it is. I understand. And I think what's interesting, I think the more interesting thing to Bridgerton has been the discourse around it than the show itself. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, the show itself is in- entertaining. Like, I binged it the way I would read a romance novel. Right, right. Like, it felt like a very good, exactly what an adaptation of that kind of material should be. Mm-hmm. And whether that works for you or not kind of comes down to whether you would like romance novels in the first place. Right. Um, so I, I think a lot of what's been interesting is a lot of TV critics reviewing it as TV critics, not having the background in romance novels, but vice versa, <laughs> romance fans being very upset at maybe less than glowing reviews or even like positive, but mixed reviews mm-hmm. and getting upset with like why they're mixed, even though it's, it's like, well, they're commenting on it as a TV show. <laughs> like it's not saying right, that the right. thing that you love is wrong. So there's been so right. many kind of crossed wires in how people are interpreting this, this, you know, show. Um, so that's been right. kind of interesting. I think that Kaylee wrote a really good piece for, for Pajiba that unpacked um, sort of the context around these forced um, romance, the, the kind of, <laughs> Romances that start in not the most consensual ways right. uh, trope. And I think that, you know, was probably very helpful for people who who don't have the background in the novels because there is it, a lot of the conversation around the show is around this one scene that happens um, after the midway point, but it's between the, the two main characters. And it's a not... It's a, it's a not very... It, it, Starts as a consensual encounter that does not continue in the most consensual of ways. Okay. <laughs> and okay. so it's it's a tricky one to kind of unpack. And it, and it was changed from the book, apparently, which I haven't read. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the book, it's much more straightforward. Um, like, male lead is drunk, female lead takes advantage of him. Um, and in the, in the series, it's not... It doesn't play out quite that way. Okay. Um, so, you know, and it's it's... Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously, like, in reality, that is not a good thing. But I think that, you know, lots of <laughs> not positive things happen in TV shows. And it's that's you present them to talk about them. Like, the fact that if it made people uncomfortable, like, yeah, <laughs> like, right. that's not a glowing example of how people should behave. Right. But, like, also none of their relationship is. Um, I just so, think it's... Do, do, do you think that there's like a, that there, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, go for it. I was just going to ask, do you think that there's a, is it, uh, is it kind of like a, is there a backlash to it because it's, because it's supposed to be more soapy and romance not, I mean, because the expectation is that this is supposed to be more popcorny. Right. But, but I think the backlash is because that is an expectation from people who haven't read romance novels. Okay. <laughs> like, if you think that romance novels are between two people who are noble and who deserve each other <laughs> and who have a very healthy romance, then you've never read a romance novel. It's right. Like, and that's part of it. Like, the escapist element is is exploring these, you know, 
kind of tumultuous emotions and, and uh, frankly, unhealthy dynamics that you might not want to have in real life, but right. you can explore in the pages of a novel. Right. And so I think, you know, so people who are like, you know, I can't believe, like, I, this is when I totally, like, lost it with these two lead characters. I couldn't root for them anymore. <laughs> it's like, you know, oh, God, every romance novel is, frankly, between two despicable people, usually. <laughs> or at least two people who make some very serious mistakes along the way. And you right. hope that they learn. Um, but no, like, they're not always perfect, you know, romances that people would want to to be in themselves. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like I, I enjoyed it for exactly what it is, which is essentially like pulpy. Um, you know, the costumes are great. The music was great. The, a lot of the side characters are wonderful. The actors are wonderful. Like it was a high production and very faithful, maybe not to the books. I can't say to that, but to, to that genre Mm -hmm. of entertainment. Like mm-hmm. as seeing that put on screen, like that is how an adaptation of it should be. Now, right. maybe next time you'd want, you know, put that effort toward a series of romance novels that are, I guess, less problematic to, to viewers. I don't know. Like that could be the question, which source material do you draw from? I, right. you know, but as you know, if, if anyone was waiting to see a really good at adap- you know, a, a, an adaptation that treats the the genre with respect, that's what Bridgerton is. Okay. So, yeah. My, uh, my wife watched it, and she watched it all in about 48 hours. And uh, uh, her she didn't say a lot about it, except that uh, it, she said it made her feel like a middle-aged woman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that it was like a softcore porny. Oh yeah, and uh, the male lead is like uh, incredibly gorgeous. Like yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, the guy who plays uh, the Duke in it. Like I don't know. Um, like I can't even tell if he's talented because he's so incredibly handsome. <laughs> and like I'm sure he is talented, but like it it doesn't matter because you just you just watch him. Um, yeah, he's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was that that was basically what I what the just what the, yeah but I'm also interested because so you know this isn't the first time that anyone has you know tried to turn romance novels into you know like um the second this month the second season of Discovery of Witches is premiering um I guess oh, it's that's on, romance too I thought that was the novels are I mean they're they're it's not about witches it is about witches. Oh, it is. Porny it's about, witches. So it's a supernatural romance, but it also... Oh. okay. It's a, it's a, there's a lot of supernatural elements in it, but it's really very heavily a romance. You know, not, it's, it's kind of upscale Twilight, but rather than being YA, it's, it's much more targeted toward, yeah, middle-aged women who, you know, are into, you know, a college professor who's secretly a witch who falls in love with this like vampire and they have to like overthrow the entire underworld dynamics of vampires and witches and demons and yeah. And, but, but while still maintaining their credentials as, you know, professors at Oxford, um, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting, it, it's high, it's upscale beach reading for people who wouldn't necessarily normally think they'd read a romance novel, but absolutely are reading a romance novel. 
That's uh, so interesting. But yeah. I mean, the the distinction between I because I didn't realize that romance novels and rom coms were like totally different. Because I've never, I guess, I guess I've never read a romance novel, but I read a lot of like rom com, chick lit, dick lit sort of books. Yeah, I mean, romance. I mean, so you're gonna have more sex scenes usually. Yeah. Um, but it's not. And there's some humor in it. Like there are some, some of the more recent romances I've read are like incredibly funny. Um, so I don't know that they wouldn't be rom-com. I think that sometimes the settings, you know, you'll see a lot more historical. We don't have that many like historical rom-coms as movies that come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also this misconception that I've seen people explore, talk about, which is like um, people labeled Bridgerton as like Jane Austen meets Gossip Girl. Um, and kind of saying, like, well, that's not really true because Jane Austen, like, you're saying that because the characters are essentially, like, dressed the way they are in Jane Austen novels, not because the content of right. the show. Like, Jane Austen novels were not romances. Right. <laughs> they were studies of, you know, society. Right. <laughs> that, like, you know, may end in a marriage, but that's not... They were more, you know, if anything, a rom-com than a romance novel. Um, so kind of slapping a Jane Austen label on Bridgerton is setting the wrong, you know, the wrong expectation for it. <laughs> that just kind of seems like one of those things where it's like, that's the only thing people know no. from that, for that like, you know, roughly in, in the roughly same. It's the only period. point of, yeah. Yeah. Point of reference. You... Like, oh, they're wearing bonnets. It must be Jane Austen. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. But if you were to compare it to another TV show, what would you compare it to? Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because you look at the costumes and you're going to want to go toward any sort of Jane Austen adaptation, but I don't think... I mean, I wouldn't do that. Honestly, (laughs) Discovery of Witches would be the closest in terms of somebody, like, really making a TV show out of a romance novel. And having it be steamy and having it, you know, but also having the production value there and, like, taking your time with it. Like, building a whole universe around something that, um... Oh, like, what about, like, Outlander? Is that... Outlander would be... Yeah. Okay. I I imagine. I've never actually seen Outlander, but that's another one. Yeah. Um, But that's... Those books are... are those romance novels, or are they... I feel like they kind of are, but the author doesn't admit it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've never read them. I was I should, probably, because it's all yeah. time travel and stuff. But this is more just off of what... Uh, I, I haven't seen Outlander either, but yeah. just based on how it's been described to me by uh, yeah. people, mostly women, but, you know, people who watch it. Yeah, it's usually very hot man and lots of sex scenes. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. I would I would say those would probably be the closest comparisons. Um, yeah, and the fact that they're they're definitely setting this up to to adapt more books in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would note that the uh, the showrunner like Shonda produces it, but the showrunner is a man named uh, Chris Van Dusen, uh, and I mention that only because when I saw that it blew my mind because there's a very famous main author named Chris Van Dusen who writes children's novels and I was like what the fuck but apparently there are two Chris Van Dusens are you sure it's not the same guy 
it, it's not. We looked it up to make sure. <laughs> that would be pretty funny if it was the same guy. Are we... Sh- yeah. Well, yeah, and he, he worked on... Yeah, all the Shonda stuff. Scandal, Grey's Anatomy. I love Shonda for uh, 10 to 15 episodes. Well, that's great, because this comes in under that. So you'd <laughs> yeah, probably I'm, enjoy the entire there you season. Go. I anticipate that I will watch this if I get Eventually. a chance. Yes. <laughs> it would, you know, it's not I want to see how hot this guy is. Mostly. Oh my God, he's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> Has he been in scene. anything else? Or is he just like this yeah, he hot is. guy they pulled off the street? No, they didn't pull him off the street. Um, oh God, what? So yeah, I should probably actually give you his name because he's amazing. Um, hold on. So... Where is he? Why am I blanking on... Okay, so Red Jean Page uh, plays Simon Bassett. So he's the Duke. He's like the romantic lead in it. Um, He is... He was also in... Oh, he was in Sylvie's Love, which just came out. Um, Oh, okay. That's the Tessa Thompson movie on Mm -hmm. Amazon. Uh, For the People, Mortal Engines. He was in the... Uh, the Roots TV miniseries, Waterloo Road. Um, so yeah, he did mostly British television um, up until the past couple of years. Yeah, and he's just incredibly, incredibly attractive. Uh, I, like I like a handsome yeah. man. I'll check it out. Oh yeah, there's a scene where they're like in an ice cream shop and he's licking the spoon and like Honestly, like the show just could have been that for a whole episode. It was it was pretty great. Um, there's there's a there's a lot of sex, but also interesting because they shoot the sex scenes the way they read on the page, which is sort of an interesting thing. So you're kind of it's just a weird way of like um, a lot of sex scenes are very graphic in shows or not in shows, maybe more in movies. Um, in a certain way, like they're either, you see nothing and it's just two people falling over under sheets, like out of breath, having just finished, or it's like this, you know, lots of slow camera angles up the bodies and all this stuff. And this plays out much more like it, it, it seems like the way it's, it's written, which is, you know, focus on the undressing and, and, um, and not necessarily drawing out the act itself. <laughs> like, there's enough invention along it, but without, like, taking forever. Right. But it's more the fact that, like, it, it really, you know... What well, lingers in the anticipation the way right. that it does in a book. In, in a, a book, In yeah. these books, yeah. So, um... So, anyway. Allegedly. So, I've heard. So, you've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more, Dan. Uh, no, look, I, I have a sister, so I've probably read some of these at some point. Probably, theoretically. Theoretically. Um, <laughs> and actually, my sister was more into, like, the, the murder books. So, yeah. like, like Christopher Pike. Oh, I read those, like too. Those, those, so, like, a lot of those were lying around, and I was like, what is this? And I started reading, I'm like, oh, this is, like, a bad 80s movie. Yeah. Let me keep reading. <laughs> An entire series of bad 80s movies as yeah, novels. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> or the um, teenage R.L. Stein. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, I, I, I had no, 
I will be honest, I had no interest in watching Bridgerton, and now I'm uh, slightly more likely. We'll yeah. See. But um, There are also some things that they're doing with, which is, you know, part of the fantasy of it, which is they're, they're kind of creating a, a more diverse society with it and exploring... uh, race and class through that and it's not they don't go very deep in it because they're not really trying to puncture (laughs) the fantasy but by having it be a (laughs) bit more fleshed out (laughs) um is kind of is another sort of interesting element you know it's not the show is not perfect but you know again if you're just gonna binge it it's it's fun like i don't know what more people (laughs) like it's kind of like a romance novel (laughs) i read it and then i stop (laughs) Like, yeah. I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it afterwards. That sounds that sounds appropriate. Yeah, um, it holds my attention until it's over. Yeah. You know what it sounds like to me, a little bit, is uh, like uh, a show that uh, maybe is more geared towards uh, guys, but the, the, the male equivalent might be, <laughs> might be Cobra Kai, Dustin. I think that Cobra Kai can be enjoyed... Just as much by women, Dad. <laughs> I'm not saying that it can't. I'm just saying that you know it's it's uh, you know it's it's kind of a it's a male uh, it's a male uh, male, male drama. It's man drama. Most it's it's really fun. It's just it's rousing and crowd pleasing <laughs> and really just straight enjoyable. Although this season, uh, I didn't. I had some issues with, but. All right, so just to set it up, Cobra Kai uh, Season 3 was released on Netflix uh, on January 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, they moved it up like a week or two, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, first two seasons were produced originally for YouTube uh, and on went back when YouTube had uh, kind of like original scripted programming. Uh, they got out of that after ordering Season 3. Uh, Netflix bought the whole package and basically said, like, here, let us stream it now. It's our show now. Um, and they've been picked up for at least a season four, so there's at least one more season coming. Um, and season three, I understand, was made on the YouTube dime and not the Netflix money. Yeah, YouTube had renewed it for season three and then, deci- then decided to get out of scripted, so they just had a whole season kind of sitting around. Although I think the sort of lower-ish production values is part of the charm. And <laughs> I'm not really, I don't, I don't want them to throw a lot of money at it. It's not, but it's not like... No, no, it's not like crap. It's just yeah. not like super glossy. Uh, and the, I don't know. Look, I think the they, I think is, they put I think they put a, a fairly normal amount of money into it. For like a 30-minute so? show. Maybe. I mean, particularly the first season, I felt like it felt like a little home movie-ish. But that was so charming that it didn't matter. It's I think it's improved some since then, mm. production value wise. But I mean, it's been a great series all along. What right. is it about? <laughs> well, oh, Tori, you should know this, considering that this was uh, your gift. Right, right. I so. haven't unwrapped my gift yet. Um, oh, okay. I'm savoring it. Tori, they what what happens is they basically take the formula of the Karate Kid movies, right. and they sort of subvert it and spin it on its head and like rearrange the pieces in very interesting very fun ways but it's like Ralph Macchio and the kid 
who fought... Johnny Lawrence. Yeah. And so, like, they were the opponents in the first Karate Kid, and now they're the teachers in the, in the show? Or? Yes, but also still... There's still Nemesis, but Johnny Lawrence, and he's, he's more... Slightly more of the uh, lead, and also... Um, he's still, like, kind of a dick... But he's also the guy you root for the most, right? Because he he's he's now the underdog. Now that they're right. like, they're so they're it's thirty five years later. They're now basically like early fifties, and uh, his his life has not turned out so well, and so he's kind of you know struggling, and that's why he uh, that's why he restarts the Cobra Kai dojo kind of at the beginning of the of the series, uh, and uh, and then uh, Ralph Macchio uh, Daniel is. His life is like great, and then you know, and then he gets pulled into kind of like his. He gets pulled back into the rivalry with, uh, with Johnny, and then uh, that. So so they have kind of like their clash, which goes across the series, and then, um, and then it's there's important a whole... to note that they do not vilify uh, uh, Daniel Larusso. They don't well, make him. I don't think they really. I mean, he he's more I, I, of a flawed character, well, but they don't you, turn him into a bad guy. They don't turn. He's not a bad guy, but. You get like for for the for the people who are like, you know, Johnny had some had some good uh, you know had some good points that you know Daniel came in and kind of messed things up for him. Uh, you know, there's a like like they're both they kind of they you, you see there there's definitely like good and bad in both, and there's definitely like uh, you're kind of rooting you're weirdly rooting for both even though they're often at odds. Right. Um, and then there's a whole the, secondary story with the kids who are all in high school. So, like, one of them is Daniel's daughter. Uh, one of them is the kid who Johnny takes under his wing, who's basically, like, the Daniel of, right. this, of this time. Because he's, he's, like, he's Hispanic, and most of the other kids are white. And he's, he's like, single mom, kind of the outsider at his school, like, much like Daniel was in the first movie. Yeah. But so it's like I, if Daniel was being trained by Johnny Lawrence <laughs> instead of, you know, Miyagi. But he's ironically pitted uh, against um, Johnny Lawrence's kid who's being trained by Daniel LaRusso. Right. Oh, why is Johnny Lewis's kid, or whatever, Lawrence's kid Johnny, going to... Because Johnny Lawrence was a deadbeat dad. Oh. And yet you still root for him. So which one of them is Coach Taylor? Uh, neither. Neither, but it does still have a similar sort of appeal. Inspiration. Yeah, but they're also like all good people trying to make good choices, except for one guy. Except and that's for the Crease. third season. Crease is a big problem for the show. Who is Crease? You remember Kreese. So Kreese was the was uh, the head of Cobra Kai in the in the original movies. Johnny Lawrence's sensei. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so he is, and so they actually bring him back, and he he comes in uh, at the end of the first season and comes into season two, and is uh, so he he kind of becomes he he's definitely being uh, set up to be like much more of the the primary antagonist. Um. Even through like three, and, and clearly where they're kind of headed for next season, um, but uh, but they also did a thing with 
Oh, we should have said spoilers, huh? Well, whatever. There will be spoilers. Yeah. Um, but the uh, one thing that I thought was, I thought it was interesting because it fit the show, but I didn't think it necessarily worked. Was in season three, because Kreese becomes such a major character. Like he had kind of been in and out in season two, and in season three, he's like really the bad guy. Um, there, they do flashbacks where they're kind of like trying to. They're showing basically like how he was screwed up in Vietnam, and they do. They spend a lot of time on this, um, like over multiple episodes, yeah. and it's, it's like, I don't know what. Like it felt like they kind of pulled their punches a little bit. Like they try to make it seem like he's a like he's a tragic character, like oh look at all these things that happened to him, that like explain why he is the way he is, and they explain it, but they don't. They don't end up making him, making you feel like, oh, now I feel bad for him or at least understand where he came from. Like, he's still evil. So right. now it just feels like, oh, bad things happen to this evil guy. You've just taken time out of the show <laughs> to add more information, but none of yeah. it. Like, I understand what they were doing. Yeah. It just, like, it felt like, it felt like the way that they, like, they had managed to make everyone else successfully gray in, like, that they're some good, some bad. But with him... It didn't, even though that's what they were trying, and I understood that that's what they were trying to do. It didn't land like that. Like it, it, it didn't feel like, like I didn't feel like, oh, now I understand him better, and now I feel a little bad for him, or I, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, I was but still the, like, oh no, he's a bad guy. Beginning of the second season, for a little bit, you were like, okay, okay, I'm, I appreciate that Johnny Lawrence is giving this guy a try, right? Uh, and maybe he'll redeem himself, but he doesn't. And and the other problem with that is that in, they, they had done that in season two and set up that his uh, circumstances weren't great, like where his life was at this point. But every time he was, every time he pulled on the heartstrings, they made it very clear that it was manipulation. Even if it was true, it was still him like playing cards, you know, playing a card to manipulate Johnny. So because of that, it never it never landed. Like, oh no, we should want him to get better. Yeah. Uh, at least to me. And and my problem with the third season, uh, and, I, I, and I don't know, I'm sorry I had to com- make this comparison, is that it uh, there's a, a Negan problem in this third season. Uh, if you've seen The Walking Dead, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's uh, an all-out war uh, that covers basically two and a half seasons of The Walking Dead. And... Mm-hmm there's a good entire season where it's just Negan beating the shit out of Rick Grimes and everybody else. And they never get any wins. And for the first, like, six, seven, eight episodes of Cobra Kai, it's just the good guys getting the shit beat out of them, and they never get any wins. Right. It it gets a little dispiriting. Well, the one big win, though, is with, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Again, yeah. yeah, when he gets his when he's gets his ability to walk back, yeah, yeah. But there's just so much like they really um, right. The, the, so the evil bullying. team definitely does like win most of season three. Yes. Um, although I will say I was very uh, I was very happy with where it ended up by the end. Like specifically when they get to the uh, the end of season, kind of like brawl and uh, yeah that was amazing except for the stunt doubles 
Well, yeah, that's, that's okay. But but yeah. and and with uh, specifically with who changed sides. Yes, I loved during that. that fight. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, and and yeah, the last two episodes were as wonderfully uh, crowd pleasing as Cobra <laughs> Kai always is, but you have to suffer a lot to get there. Not suffer in like a bad show sense, but suffer in like watch these people get just beat up on over right. and over and over. Right. And when they broke that guy's arm, I was like, oh, come on, god damn. <laughs> Did you Jesus. say that a character learned how to, or like got the ability to walk again? Yes. Was it a uh, shark stem cell situation? It was not a shark stem cell situation. Then I don't and I'm surprised we haven't seen, I don't know what the, I don't know if there is discourse surrounding uh, Cobra Kai. Although I wrote a piece uh, today for Up Rocks about how uh, Anthony LaRusso is the worst character uh, on Cobra Kai. Is that the son? Yes, who suddenly, who shows up in half a scene the entire yeah. third season. Well, because I was like, it's the same I, guy. I, it's the same I, guy. I had actually forgotten for a while that there was another kid, <laughs> that, <laughs> that he had another kid because, uh, yeah, because the kid was like there kind of at the beginning and then he's clearly unimportant to the rest of the story. So. Well, he, he was so awful in that first season that they just, I think they had to like, uh, they couldn't kill him off because it's not that kind of show. So they just sort of had to like figure out a way to. But he's also like he's he's not like so so the the Larussos have two kids and the the daughter is the one in high school who like a, a lot of the high school centric stories are kind of focused around her. she's one of the characters who's it's focused around um, but the son is I don't know what like middle school maybe mm-hmm. um, but he he's just unimportant to the plot like they didn't they didn't need him for anything yeah. well in that first no, season I think they tried to make him important to the plot where he was sort of like was he. He was, a, you know, a, an entitled little shit, and he was sort of like the Johnny Lawrence. Like, Daniel LaRusso ended up raising a Johnny Lawrence, except that he hated... He was lazy, and he hated karate. I don't... I don't really... But I he was, like, the opposite of, like, the kid from Reseda. He was very entitled. He right. was... He used his dad's name to sort of, like, shit on other people. He was just awful. But then he also, like, hit his growth spurt, so that was uh, interesting. Because you see him in the third season, and you're like, is that the same kid? There's no way that's the same kid. But it's <laughs> totally the same kid. I honestly did not remember any any of that stuff from season one. Um, really? But, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's not... I mean, I haven't watched season one since it first came out. Right. So, uh, but, but, yeah, it's... I mean, it's fun. It's a... Uh, no, no shark stem cells, um, but no. but a character does uh, learn to walk again. Uh, and you know the the fights are fine. I mean they're not like like you they're not they're not insanely crazy. Um, you know like like they're not into the Badlands. Uh, they're not into the Badlands or uh, the raid or Gangs of London or you know. But but for like a high school show, they're pretty good. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of the fights are with like high school, the high school kids. Yeah, um, and they do, but they do some like long takes where they're kind of like weaving in and out and like showing you snippets of little, of little, uh, you know, of the other fights that are happening. And um, those a, are always a... real. Those are always really impressive because those 
fit well with the story they're telling, and that's always impressive to me. So, yeah, um, I think they did a oneer in the finale of this season. Yeah, they did season two and season three. They did a they did a oh, long season two. Season two, they did one at one point. Um, I mean, look, I'll be honest. You guys had me at half hour episodes. <laughs> no, not even sometimes. Sometimes there's like. Particularly yeah. in those first two seasons, they're like 22, 24 minutes. Yeah. And it's all on Netflix now, which means I don't have to look mm-hmm. up YouTube. It's on Netflix. It's very, it, it goes down easy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and even though you haven't watched the movies... Uh, in a while. Since, since in a while. Don't worry, because they definitely, anytime someone shows up from the movies, they will cut to a scene from the movies <laughs> to remind you who they were. <laughs> So they'll be like, remember this person, this is where they, this is why you know them, and this is what happened 30 years ago. And I feel like all the important people now have shown up except for Hillary Swank. So I was going to say, what about Hillary Swank? Saving her for the fourth season, I assume. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> She'll definitely show up. I mean, they have to bring her back. <laughs> well, Away was canceled, so I mean, yeah. uh, she's available now, right? Oscar I'm winner, sure she's, Hillary Swank. Who wouldn't be game for that? It's such a good-hearted show, and I'm sure they'll pay her Netflix money. <laughs> what else she got to do? Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so wait. Are we gonna are we gonna spoil uh, the people who came back? Or I look. I already did. I said everybody except Hillary Swank, didn't I? Yeah, but like people couldn't read into that. But they. <laughs> what they do or don't want to. Elizabeth Shue comes back in the third season. Wait, who? Elizabeth Shue. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, because she got, she got killed off of the boys. Yeah, so she was available. She was available. Uh, it was, the, I was very surprised by that, that she, that she came back. Um, Good for yeah. her. And and she they gave her a nice uh, yeah a nice a arc like she's there for like a couple episodes and has a good um, oh it was such I we had just watched the first Karate Kid so I remembered vividly like and it was so sweet it was so fun yeah um, I was very happy that they brought uh, both Tamlin Tamita and uh, oh no I'm blanking on his name. Um, uh, he played Chosen. What's the actor's name? I don't <laughs> I know. look it up because that's that's. Uh, Are these the Karate Kid three people? No, Karate Kid Part Two. Part Two. Okay. See, and the thing about Karate Kid Two is that I didn't think that I'd seen it until they started showing the flashbacks. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I totally remember that. Right. Um, oh, Yuji Ok Okamoto. That's his name. Um, but yeah, they brought both of them back. And uh, one thing that was funny though was that uh, so for the, the they brought the the people from part two back uh, by getting uh, Ralph Macho to Japan for a little bit. Um, and the funny but the funny thing is that they actually filmed this season little a couple scenes in Okinawa, which they did not do for the actual movie <laughs> that's set in Okinawa because they filmed all those scenes in Hawaii. <laughs> Huh. So this is actually the first time Karate Kid has gone to Okinawa. But, right. Um, but I was very shocked because I remember watching that, and I, mean, I, vi- I visited because I have family there, and 
and seeing shots of what was very clearly Okinawa, I was like, oh, this green screen is really good. Like, they really made it look like, like they're actually in Okinawa. And then I watched it a little bit more. I'm like, oh, no, they're actually there. There's no way this is that. This is green screen. Uh, and it was nice. And it made me miss traveling. Oh. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I'd say it's worth watching and very easy very easy to watch and also Tori it's your gift so it's That's my right. gift so I have so. to do it and I you have to do I'm it. looking forward to it I was wondering if I needed to do my homework of watching the original movies again to refresh myself but I think you'll be fine it sounds like I really just, don't yeah, yeah. plunge just right in quickly Tori how, how far are you into your supernatural rewatch now oh gosh uh, I want to say toward the end of season 12 we slowed down because we were watching yeah. all this other stuff um, basically, we're at also the... supernatural ended, so maybe the urgency is not there anymore. Oh, it's always urgent. I'm just gonna start <laughs> over. Again. It's it's still consistently delightful. I also, I'm sorry, Jensen Ackles has the best. Like, I actually find it amazing that this is a network show where he just, who should be us like one of the sexy male leads. His comedic, like his reaction shots are just brilliant. <laughs> Like, I enjoy watching it just for him, like, making faces and, like, eating food. They should put him in Bridgerton. Come on. Oh, he would... No. Come on. It would be pretty great. (laughs) Do us all a favor. I just want him in another, like, just more shows. Just more shows. I hope he gets a nice beefy arc in The Boys. (laughs) Sure he will. Um, All right. Well, we should probably... Anyway, that's Cobra Kai. Uh, Cobra and Kai. also uh, Supernatural. Uh, as your Supernatural, Supernatural update, again, <laughs> re- remix, rewatch. Rewatch. Um, I'll do my own right. homework. <laughs> uh, let's see. What, what, what else do we have? Oh, uh, Tori, so you, you watched Sweet Home, which neither of us have seen. Yes, I'm not um, done with it yet. Okay. So I can't really spoil the ending or anything. Right. Um, but I would love to take a minute just to tell anyone uh, while they're bouncing around Netflix watching Bridgerton or watching Crowbar Kai, um, if you happen to stumble across a Korean show called Sweet Home, please, please watch it. Um, it is delightfully batshit. <laughs> it is. Um, it's about, it's an apocalyptic show where a mysterious disease is uh, kind of going around the populace turning people into monsters and it's about these survivors who have holed themselves up in uh, an apartment building together like they're all just residents of this building and they're uh, you know just trying to survive they're trying to like manage their resources periodically Um, there's no real firm at least thus far explanation for how somebody gets um, because they call it not a disease but like a curse Okay. that's going around so whatever turn it start but it starts with symptoms it's like a just a torrential nosebleed and then blackouts and then over time somebody turns into a monster that's usually the sh- the form that they take is usually tied to like some something they desire mm-hmm. um and so you have these characters who will be fine for a while and then all of a sudden one of them gets a nosebleed and they they end up being like locked in a room and nobody knows when they're how long they're gonna last before they finally turn into a monster and then once they're a monster like when they first transform they can be killed but 
there's like a very it's like a golden hour where they can actually be harmed and then after that they're you cannot kill the monsters so if a monster gets into the building they have to get it out but they can't kill it they have to find hmm. a way to like beat it and just like lock it outside um and it's just so if, in a lot of ways the the mechanics of the show feel like a zombie show right you know just like survivors hold up against you know these you know this enemy outside uh that it, that any of them could turn into at any time but the mo- the the creature special effects is like wonderful like half the time it looks like some Harryhausen like stop motion stuff <laughs> like uh-huh. other times I don't know it's really cool um, and one of the main characters is a kid who uh, has been resisting turning into a monster like he's one of the first ones who gets the nosebleed mm-hmm. uh, but he hasn't fully turned and so the survivors start using him because he ends up being like their he can't be like he's he heals from damage because he's in the process of turning. So they like make him do all the dangerous jobs. And he's just, this. it's like (laughs) this poor kid who like, and the, what, what's weird about it, what's interesting about him is that like he was suicidal. And so you'd think he would be one of the first ones to, to like give up. And for some reason, like the reason he's not fully turned into a monster is because the only thing that's keeping him going is that he wants to live. Huh? (laughs) <laughs> so it's this like really depressed kid who like all of a sudden when he could actually just like give in is is like has found his reason not to um, right but yeah the characters are great uh, it's it's really funny and disgusting and surprisingly sad like you just get so attached to the characters uh-huh. <laughs> and then you know out of nowhere one of them will just turn um, but the yeah, it's it's really it's the whole ensemble of the the different survivors are really, um, it's a good it's a good mix of people. I enjoy it quite a bit. It sounds like my kind of show too. Yeah, I was thinking you would probably shows. like it because it's 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 basically a zombie show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is, and some of the okay. fighting is just. Like, like one guy has a sword, one guy has, um, one guy is just really tough. You've got, uh, a woman who's a firefighter who's just, like, absolutely built, and she ends up, like, kind of John McClaning through some air ducts at one point. Um, there's, like, the, the homemade weapons that they all build <laughs> to, like, <laughs> but then it's also just, like, them hanging out and, like, having dinner together and, you know going to like they keep venturing throughout the building um to like get supplies and stuff like that because there are like monsters on every floor but they're trying to like keep one area of the building intact you know right uh yeah it's cool i think you guys would really dig it it's it's just a lot of fun although i will say if there's one the music in it is almost uniformly wonderful except that there's this one imagine dragon song (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's like they paid to license it and they're going to use it in every single episode. Oh, it's that kind of thing. I don't know, but it was definitely like, I've definitely watched two episodes back to back. It was probably big... 10 different Imagine Dragon songs, but you can't tell the difference. No, it is. It is. I 
because I had to look up the lyrics because I was like, this is Imagine Dragons, isn't it? Because I can't tell when it is because they all sound the same. Right. Um, so I Googled the lyrics, but I know it was the same song in like two episodes back to back. The climactic fight scene was <laughs> set to this Imagine Dragons song. So that's just like their battle music. Is that's their battle Imagine music, Dragons yeah. Oh, okay. It's, I can get behind that. Yeah. I was like, all right. That's fine. You know, it's sufficiently rousing. <laughs> but I, I like the fact that even there, I'm assuming, kind of, you know, banking on the fact that no one can tell any Imagine Dragons song apart. So you won't actually <laughs> register that you've heard the same one over and over again. Right. Yeah. All right. So that's Sweet Home. That's Sweet Home. Um, I feel like there have been a lot of... I haven't watched any of them yet, but I feel like the algorithm is pushing a lot more Korean content on me. I feel like Netflix is investing in a lot more Korean content. Yeah. Like I mean, they're definitely making a big push. Yeah. Because Kingdom... So that's two seasons in. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has... Like, one of the main actors in it was one of the main actors in, in Kingdom. Oh, okay. Um, and actually, and I think the lead actor, the, the kid I mentioned, um, the suicidal one... He was in another Netflix Korean show that I hadn't seen, I believe, called like, I think it was a, what was it, Love Alarm or something? Um, Hold on. Hello? Hello? Yep. Oh, you guys are still there. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> Just waiting for you. <laughs> I was to, like, what the? Hell? You yeah, love alarm. Looking up. So oh, okay. he and that was a show from last season, uh, last oh, year, okay. twenty. Sorry, two years ago, twenty nineteen, because it is oh, now twenty twenty one. Yep. We'll just ignore that twenty twenty ever happened. Uh, so it was last year. It was last year. Yeah. Yeah. If we skip twenty twenty, then it was last year. Right. Uh, yeah. So the actor Song Kang was in that. Uh, so yeah, I feel like Netflix is really building up. Because uh, these are like originals; they don't seem to be acquisitions, right? Um, well, yeah, they've definitely been trying to uh, trying to expand, kind of like their uh, how much, uh, yeah, how much content they're producing in in yeah. Korea and Asian Asian general. But. Yeah, well, between that and then also now they've got, you know, they had Dark, mm-hmm. and the Dark creators are making that new show. Oh, what? Oh, gosh. But I don't know if it's for Netflix. I feel like it is. Oh, I want to watch a new show from them. Yeah, no, and it just got announced, and it is, uh, it's, yeah, 1899 is the show, uh, and it's going to be, oh, gosh. Hold on. Because it stars, oh, what's her face? Netflix announced their next series is titled 1899. Yeah, so it's the duo behind Dark. um, And it is going to be Netflix. Oh, we're going to be ways from that, though. I just feel like they do a really good job with, like... uh, they're, they're the originals that they invest in mm-hmm. that are just like like not American. The right. standard of quality is <laughs> so 
much better. Oh, that's why it stuck out to me. Because Emily Beecham from Into the Badlands <laughs> is going to be the lead uh, in 1899. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, why? Wait, she was, uh, she was uh, the widow, right? Yeah. Okay. Wait, is that right? Um, the, the butterfly. Yeah, she was yeah, the Yeah, she was the... Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so the show is about revolve around a migrant steamship headed from London to New York. When the passengers discover another migrant broke adrift, their journey descends into a horrifying nightmare. So I'm going to love the hell out of that show. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, they they seem to really, which, you know, we were talking about how, like, Shonda Rhimes did a, you know, or Shonda Land, like, her deal with Netflix, you know, um, Bridgerton, whether it's your cup of tea or not, you know, had quality, but there was also an article that just came out today where, where, um, I think it was Jackson McHenry kind of, uh, exploring everything that Ryan Murphy has produced for Netflix. Oh, I and saw talking that. about how, like, it's not the best just quality. shit. <laughs> just total just, dog shit. And maybe, like, just, you know, this constant push of, of content and, like, not having any boundaries is, like, not the best for creators. So I do think it's interesting that, like, we're, we're kind of used to the Netflix glut of content. And it not always... It, it's being really, you know, having a lot of potential but not always landing. Like, the Marvel mm-hmm. shows, real spotty, you know, like, a lot of their stuff, no matter how much money they throw at it and how much freedom there is uh, creatively, it, it doesn't always land. Whereas, you know, the stuff that they've, they've invested in from Germany, from, you know, Korea, it's the shows have been just remarkable quality. <laughs> right. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm glad that they're... And I hope that that they're pushing those uh, foreign language titles up in people's searches because I do think that you know I know Americans are, are assholes about reading subtitles, but if they get over it, like some of the best <laughs> stuff on Netflix is stuff that Netflix has not made in the U.S. Right. So. Uh, cool. Well, I I want to check that out. Hopefully, I will. I, I, I will yeah. do so. Probably more than Bridgerton, but that's just me. That's, yeah. I have a little, little of each. <laughs> you should just go back and forth. I'm sure it'll be a seamless transition. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Well, uh, do you guys want to play a game? or? Do you have a Is game? Is it a fun game, Dan? Uh, I don't know. What do you mean you Is don't sh- know? I don't know if it's fun. It's poorly planned, just like all of my games. <laughs> Uh, let's let's do a quick round. We'll we'll, we'll see how right, it goes. It, right. it shouldn't be it should be too shouldn't be too bad. Okay, so this is the uh, oh wait I gotta mark down the time code. Uh, hang on. Oh yeah, because then we can cut it if you don't like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna cut it. I just need to know. <laughs> I just need to know when the game started. Uh, okay, so this is the untitled uh, premiere dates game. Um, oh here we oh, oh Jesus no. it's gonna so be, I'm gonna now. name some shows that are either back or coming back uh, within the next few months and uh, or will be premiering maybe and just just tr- give me your best guess of when you think they're gonna premiere and whoever's closer gets the point that's that's all um, all right all right I'm not gonna remember so we'll see uh, or should I do month is month better month is better then it's Really? Then it's just well, a, I don't know. We can do whatever. 
Month is I feel easy. like months yeah, let's too just, let's easy. Just, all right, let's just see what happens. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's the game. That's it. It's very simple. Uh, let's start with an easy one. Uh, this one is so easy that you know I, I feel like it's almost too easy, but uh, but we'll we'll try it. Um, okay. When does uh, Prodigal Son premiere? Seventeenth <laughs> of oh, January. Boy. Okay. January 17th. It is January. I'm going to say the... God damn it, I think Dustin's right, but I'll say the Sunday after, which would be... Uh, so what, the 24th? I'm going to say the uh, 24th. All right. Dustin gets the point. Yeah. It's actually January 12th. Oh. Oh, oh closest. So he was, he was closer, yeah. Um, so that's a point for Dustin. Uh... Let's see. Oh, here's one. Um, uh, do you guys watch Search Party? Uh, I do, yes. No. Corey doesn't. No, but it's It's good. It's, it's a good show. Yeah. It's on HBO Max. But Search Party, uh, after season three, which was held for, I don't know, like three years or something, uh, finally came out last year on HBO Max. Season four is already coming out in January. But, uh, Did they when take them back to back? Uh, they might have. I don't remember, but... Uh, I already gave you January, so that's uh, my mistake. 24th. Of January? Oh, yeah. Yes. I already said January, so uh, All right, I'll say the 25th. <laughs> you Price were on is right in me. Wrong side of it, sorry. <laughs> it's uh, January 14th, the <laughs> search party. So Dustin gets that one. <sighs> Uh, let's see. Let me see if I can get, let's get Tori a point. Um, oh, don't what's the show point. that, what's the show that Tori would know the premiere date? Uh, <laughs> Tori doesn't have cable anymore. I'm not kidding. That's true. <laughs> but, oh, how about this one? Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. One of the new Marvel shows. March 15th. Yeah. I think it's March because it's WandaVision comes out in January. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'll say March 14th. Sorry, oh, you're on the wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> it's March 19th. So, so close. But, uh, right, Dustin is up 3-0. This, is, uh, this, right. game is, this game is turning very quickly. All right, maybe, maybe what we need to do is we need to do a, a Dustin show, and then Tori will get it right. You just need to say so, 911 and then say 911 like three more times so I can catch up. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, when does nine one one Lone Star premiere? The same time as nine one one original, because it's is... January eighteenth, I believe. Dustin, do you, have a, do you have a guess? Uh, let's see. Today is the fourth. Yes, the tenth. The seventeenth. <laughs> uh, well, Tori got it exactly. So. All right. So Tori's on the board. <laughs> uh, all right, three to one. Um, how about wait? Where was that show? I just saw it. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Here we go. What about uh, Dustin's favorite show, The Resident? I don't know. What? Stop it. The, the Resident, <laughs> Dustin's favorite medical drama. I don't know why I get so upset by this. <laughs> but you got me excited because I actually thought New Amsterdam was about to come back. <laughs> and then you give me the fucking Resident. It's your. It's it's been said on this podcast many times that this is your favorite medical drama. Where is New Amsterdam? 
Well, are you looking it up? I'm going to say... No, no, I'm not. Like, I'm just wondering oh. when it's coming back. I'm going to say February 14th. Uh, I will say January 11th. All right, Dustin, uh, it's January 12th, so clearly you are very excited very for the resident. Very excited to watch it, yeah. Uh, obviously. <sighs> Four to one, Dustin. This game has turned out to be uh, a little one-sided. Um <laughs> Let's see. What else? What else? Where else can we go? Uh, how about... Uh, there are no cartoons. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I have so few interests. No, this game This game was probably poorly designed. Uh, that's okay. All right. How about uh, The Walking Dead? When does The Walking Dead premiere? It's February 28th. February 27th. No, it's February uh, 28th. Oh, interesting. Dan, don't fuck so, with me. So it's... It don't is give me February this AMC Plus. It, it is February 28th. It. However, it premieres on February 25th on AMC Plus. Oh. Uh, according to my list, Tori gets the point, and I think a bonus <laughs> point because Dustin should you. know The Walking Dead, yeah. and so that's two points for Tori. All of a sudden, it's a game. <laughs> Uh, I'm. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> all right, now this game was worth it just for that. that uh, was great. All right, how That's about uh, how about this one? Okay, uh, there is a there's a new show coming out. It is called The Equalizer, starring Queen Latifah. Uh, when when does that premiere? January 23rd. Something has to start in February. Come on. February 14th. Uh, oh, no. i got to do math. Tori is closer. Okay. Uh, it's yeah. February 7th. It's after the Super Bowl, which I thought Dustin would get. But is that the Super Bowl show? It's, it... the, it's the post-Super Bowl slot. They give it show. to a new show? They give it to the Equalizer starring Queen Latifah. Oh. Um, Wait, Queen right. Latifah and the Denzel Bowl? Uh, yes. Oh, right. That's interesting. So, we are tied 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not going to lie, I did not see this coming. Uh, I didn't <laughs> you either. You fucking <laughs> cheated. <laughs> I mean, if uh, all right, since, since Dustin is so upset, uh-huh. because he did not know, uh, he did not know when, uh, when... You know when The Walking Dead was starting. New Amsterdam is coming back in March, just for the record. Uh, let me see. So Dustin's been looking these up, which sounds no, like no. cheating to me. No, no, I just like looked cheating. up New yeah. Amsterdam because you fucked with me on The Resident. Right. Uh, all right. How about the? Oh, this. Okay. Uh, all right. How about this show? Uh, there is a new show on Sci-Fi called Resident Alien. Uh, I believe it's Alan Tudyk. As an alien living on Earth. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I'm gonna I don't anything about it besides that. It's definitely January. Yeah. I'm gonna say January twenty eighth. I'm gonna go twenty seven. <laughs> Dustin gets it yeah. exactly. Yeah. Just oh. by just by trying to price his right Tory. So <laughs> Dustin wins the game. Uh which As it is, should uh, be. Oh. Five, but it's five four. Tori covered the spread, so really yeah. everyone who bet on Tori still, the spread. I still won money. I led Dustin to the right date. 
<laughs> like a, I, I carrot sticked it all the way yeah. there. Yeah. So uh, so really really you could say Tories won the game. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> and, and, and that cheated. Okay. Hashtag Dustin cheats. But. In in honor of Dustin technically do you, wait, winning, do you understand that I write about The Walking Dead for Uproxx, <laughs> and I write like three posts a week, and you and got the yeah. and you got I the end every single correct. one of them with The Walking Dead returns on February twenty eighth. Well, you're AMC. gonna have to fix that because that is wow. not when it returns <laughs> to television. Um, <laughs> ignoring all the all of the people who have AMC Plus, all of the many people who signed, including myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to watch the show early. Uh, all right. In in honor of Dustin's win, whether or not he cheated or not, who can say? Uh, but uh, Dustin, I, I want. I, I'd like to end the show with this. You claimed uh, that you called something on the Mandalorian, and I'd like to let you uh, explain. Thank that. you, thank you. <laughs> At one point, I asked. Uh, Tori and uh, Dan, I was like, what is the point of the Mandalorian? What are they trying to do? And they said to me that they are looking for a Jedi. And I asked them when the time frame was, and they told me, and I said, why don't they just find Luke Skywalker? And Dan laughed at me. And he goes, Mm -hmm. he's got more important things to do right now. And then Tori sort of joined in and laughed with... (laughs) Yeah, and everybody sort of mocked me cause for suggesting that they would go try to find Luke Skywalker. And now what's going to happen is Dan's going to say, oh, they didn't go find Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker found them. Which but is, well, yeah, I called it. True. That's true. Yeah. That's the accurate I called way it. to describe it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, I, it. And I actually told my son, who's a pedantic little shit, I said... <laughs> I, I told uh, him what had happened with you guys. He goes, well, actually, <laughs> yeah. actually, he found them, and uh, 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 they didn't bring him to Luke Skywalker. And I was like, oh, shut up. Yeah. Anyway. So your, your son is, is right. Your son um, was right. Yeah. Is, is what I'm getting from that story, which, yeah. you know, makes sense. But Also, can we talk about how auspicious... A new year this is. We've had two trains. Two oh, trains, which is a good show. sign. It's a great sign. And also, uh, Dustin uh, agrees that The Mandalorian is the best, was the best show of 2020. Yeah. So, uh, things are looking up. Things are looking was. up is what I'm saying. Oh my god, that finale was fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you'd expect that. it from, from the best show of the year. Yeah. So. <laughs> I like that Dustin is, is actually invested in it. Enough to, yeah. like, remember... His, you know, flawed claims and right. uh, and. I mean, look, Dustin, in. you weren't you weren't wrong. You just weren't. You, you weren't the most. We'll, right. we'll say you're half right. <laughs> you know, you got you got you got a good you got a good percentage of it correct, and that's. Why did they go with young fair. Skywalker though? Because that's the why? time period. <laughs> what do you mean? Why? Yeah, it's five years after Return of the Jedi. Did we know that before? Yes, we yes. saw him. We okay. literally opened up well, your no, no. story saying that we told you the time. You told me that it was between <laughs> episodes seven and, I mean, six and seven. So I don't. It could have been any period. Any I'm pretty time. sure that we've we've well, talked six about six and seven. No, we've yeah. It's five years after Return yeah. of the Jedi. 
Okay. Well, I just thought it, it could have been anywhere in the you know, maybe 30 years. 30 years would mean it's at the same time as seven-ish. Well, okay. 20 years while he was, like, hanging out with the uh, puffins. Well, no. <laughs> it's happening five <laughs> years later. He's just all getting right, right, together. He's, he's getting his students together. You realize right. what the implications of all of this is, right? Oh, yeah, no, it's not great. I don't. I don't but, understand uh, yeah. the implications at all. I don't and I was right. Maybe that's Bad a conversation times. for another. Bad times for baby oats. Yeah. But, uh, oh, really? Well, so do you remember how Kylo Ren was a student of Luke Skywalker? And then he uh-huh. left, and then he got angry he left and he like decided to take after his grandfather and then he went back and like destroyed Luke Skywalker's school Jedi Uh school and like killed everybody oh no yeah so there's a I mean like clearly Mando is gonna like reconnect with Grogu before any of this happens obviously like if there's any justice in the world but there is a slight chance that maybe sometime in the future Adam Driver kills baby Yoda (laughs) (laughs) Which would Aww. honestly also be very funny. Yeah. Wait, is there... So there's a good chance then that next season's Mandalorian will not have a lot of baby Yoda? Or it'll have split time between Mando dealing with Mandalorian... Mandalore stuff and, and Grogu learning how to be a Jedi. From presumably not, not Luke Skywalker. Because right. that huh. would be a lot of money to... Yeah, I feel like, I feel like they're not going to... They, I feel like they're not going to do a ton of that just because of the heavy CG yeah. involved in the process that they chose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll know soon. I mean, they've already probably started shooting. I don't know. It's, it's all in the works. It, they have, like, 18 shows coming, so. Maybe Baby Yoda will dream at Mando, and we'll just have little, like, they'll, like, get together in their dreams. <laughs> Psychic Jedi dreams. Huh. Well, well, whatever it is, I, we'll be here to cover I'm it. I'm fascinated. That's Probably. right. Um, but that's a show. That's our first show of 2021. We did it, you guys. We did and it's, it. it's a long one, so you're welcome. We can cut stuff out. <laughs> no, there's no, there's no editing. That's why we opened with a discussion about uh, The editing. Stand. So right. uh, that's the show. We'll be back next week. Uh, have a good night. Good night, everyone. Good night.